Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Time Flies, the podcast all about William Golding's novel, The Lord of the Flies. I'm your host, Danny Arditi. In this series, we are in the midst of discussing the technical aspects of the story, Lord of the Flies. Today's episode is called Beauty and the Beast, hence the beauty of our island and the extreme fear of the beast that is mentioned by the little ones. Anyway, let's move on. Our discussion will be centered around the life on the island, Golding's figurative language, the conflicts that the younger boys face, and way more. I am joined once again by our three novel experts, Cameron Boyles, Madison Jay, and Elizabeth Pack. Welcome back, guys. As always, let's start off by discussing the summary of the chapters that we have read this week. I'll start off. The chapters we read are chapters four and five, otherwise known as Painted Faces and Long Hair and Beast from Water. Chapter four starts with some background and descriptions, catching us up on the fast-forwarded time that might the time period that might have gone by that we missed. We can assume that somewhere between five days to a couple of weeks have gone by, as Golding describes life on the island to have fallen into a sort of rhythm. This implies that the boys have gotten used to their routine on this paradise-faced island, which is described in great detail throughout the first few pages of the chapter. Golding uses beautiful figurative language to describe aspects such as the sun, which, quote, gazed down like an angry eye. We learn of the so-called little uns, or the younger boys of the island, that play the days away in the sand, the lagoon, and the little shade that shields them from the oppressive sun. We learn of the conflicts between the younger boys, who teasingly throw rocks and sand at each other. After multiple descriptions of life on the island, one that seems almost magical thanks to Golding's eludications, we learn of the obsessive Jack, who has resorted to painting his face in order to camouflage and catch his dream pig. As this dress of event is going on, Ralph and Simon notice a ship that has appeared along the sea. Ralph races up to the mountain where the carelessness of the boys has caused the fire to go out. Beyond frustrated, Ralph decides that he will call a meeting to explain to the boys the severity of their negligence. Before he can, Jack comes in with multiple hunters carrying his pig. He is elated that he has at last achieved his goal, and he barely notices Ralph's frustration and almost blows him off completely when he cooks and shares his fresh meat of pig. The hunters are overexcited about their feat and simply cannot stop discussing it amongst each other. After celebrating their successful hunt and feast, Ralph can finally call his meeting and bring the group to order, or so he thinks. The chapter ends here, and we are left wondering if Ralph can pull the group together. I'd like to now pass it on to one of our experts to explain chapter five. We will then discuss and analyze the other features of both of these chapters. Elizabeth has an explanation for chapter five. Chapter five, titled Beast from Water, introduces us to a character versus self situation. Ralph has lots on his mind, and nothing seems to be getting better. As summarized by Danny, the children had lost their very first chance of getting rescued due to the carelessness of the children that went hunting, including Jack. It is clear to us that Ralph is having a difficult time getting everybody and everything into order, and has called for a meeting to happen soon in order to do so, or hopes to do so. Ralph continues to trudge along the island and lists all the problems that he would like to address to the children. A meeting begins once again with another blow of the conch shell. As soon as the children have gathered, it is obvious to all 
that Ralph is not here for fun and games. During the meeting, Ralph discusses all that is needed to be put straight. He mentions how the water isn't being restored in the coconut shells, the children being of no help when building the huts, and most importantly, how the fire isn't being taken care of. Throughout this meeting, though, it is proven that Ralph's efforts to help the children survive isn't coming to much use. Instead, the children are getting sick of Ralph's long speeches and are starting to complain as well. Ralph argues through and finishes his speech, only to have Jack begin his. He goes on about the little ones in fear of a beast that seems to be roaming around the island. The day darkens and the children, one by one, tell their stories of the beast they admit to have seen. Many things are being considered, beasts from the sea, the children roaming around at night, and even ghosts. The talk of ghosts raise a huge argument on whether these options can really be a possibility. The children, the older children fight and the younger ones cry in fear. In the midst of all this, the children excuse themselves from the meeting, leaving Piggy, Simon, and Ralph. Ralph is convinced that he should give up the role of chief as a result. In fear of Jack becoming the next chief, Piggy and Simon reason with Ralph to remain. The chapter is concluded with a Ralph overwhelmed and desperate for the help of a grown-up. That's an excellent summary, Elizabeth. Now let's move on to some analysis. What did we learn from the chapter? What is Golding trying to say? Cameron, why don't you tell us about your analysis for chapter four? Chapter four starts off with Golding saying that their society is starting to come into play and take form meaning that the boys do the jobs that they need to do, but there are still children that are doing nothing. The little ones, to be more specific. They just play all day. They complain to the biggins that they are having nightmares but are pushed aside. This is showing that they have created almost a hierarchy without knowing it. The little ones begin being at the bottom, have their concerns put, and the biggins focused on the main priority of collecting food, and like we saw in the last chapter, building huts. It is mostly Roger and Jack that torment the little ones, making the little ones see them to have power. Later, later in the chapter, Jack chooses to hunt over tending the fire. His choice has devastating consequences as a ship that could have rescued them passes by. Jack has decided that rescue is not as important to him as hunting. Then, when Piggy and some of the other hunters side with Ralph and start yelling at him, he hits Piggy. This is showing that when Jack feels most vulnerable, he abuses a victim weaker than him to gain authority back. Jack eventually apologizes, and Ralph and Piggy realize they have an alliance. Jack is for hunting and savagery, and Ralph and Piggy favor being rescued and having a civilization. Jack and his boys begin to reenact the killing of the pig in a kind of ritual dance. Ralph announces that he's calling an assembly and walks away. Ralph interrupts the savage ritual dance by calling a meeting, a, civil, a symbol of civilization. The main theme of this chapter is civilization versus savagery, because there is a constant conflict between Jack and someone else. Jack represents savagery, while everyone else is trying to build a temporary society against and are against Jack. Jack will most likely be the demise, or end game, for the other boys. If he doesn't already, if he hasn't done it already, by not tending the fire. 
Thanks, Cameron. That's an excellent analysis. Let's move on to the analysis for Chapter 5. Maddie, what did you unpack from Chapter 5? What did you learn from it? And what is Golding trying to say through this chapter? Chapter 5 had a lot of additions that can be additionally analyzed and thought of in different perspective or way. To begin with, as previously mentioned by Elizabeth, a main point of analysis is how Ralph is having some difficulties adjusting to his new roles and status on the island. He is comparing his traits and attributes to other people, such as Piggy. He believes that he is not as smart as Piggy, and he doesn't feel that he has the quote-unquote brains or intelligence as him. However, he states that he does not think Piggy would be a great fit for a leader, and he shall remain the one in charge. This can be analyzed as fear and unconfidence due to the fact that he is struggling with finding his and his companions' ability to benefit the camp. Later on in the novel, they are called into a meeting and Ralph is getting ridiculed by the other and younger members of the group. He is constantly getting made fun of and he has to often pause what he is saying to tell other kids to stop laughing and talking over him. As time progresses, we can also analyze how Ralph is getting more and more frustrated and unwilling to cooperate. He's starting to yell at the members and saying things like, you voted me as chief, now you must respect what I say. Even as he keeps trying to regain their attention, they are finding it difficult to listen when he's saying long and overstretched speeches with a lot of instructions and criticism. This can represent how his character grows more frustrated with the current situation and who he surrounds himself with. The main themes that are able to be analyzed throughout this chapter is fear of success and the inability to gain respect. This is because Ralph is struggling to picture them being able to work together with everyone being so different. And even towards the end of the chapter, he questions his true abilities as chief. These are some excellent views. There are lots of great things to discuss here, and I'm sure that our upcoming seminar will have some excellent points. Before we move on, let's take another minute to thank our sponsor. Today we are fake sponsored by Carnival Cruises. Hey, hey, over here on the island. Oh, well. Anyway, let's move on to our discussion. There's a lot to unpack here, from Golding's descriptions to developing characters like Jack and Ralph. Who would like to start us off? To recap from last episode, there were a lot more examples of Piggy displaying examples of otherness. When Ralph is describing the other characters, he exemplifies the fact that he is being smart. However, diminishes the point by saying how he has things like a fat head or a ludicrous body. This proves our point from last episode, and I'm sure that this theme will continue to stretch throughout the length of this book. Is there anything else you guys would like to add about this? Yeah, Maddie, I actually noticed that too. One of the things that I noticed was a quote that was sort of a confirmation of Piggy's otherness. In the last episode, we talked about how he was an outsider, but we were pretty much predicting just because of the way that he interacted with all of the other people on the island. However, now this quote com confirms it quite well. It says, there had grown up tacitly among the big ones, the opinion that Piggy was an outsider, not only by accent, which did not matter, but by fat and asmar and specs and certain disinclination for manual labor. This quote tells us flat out that Piggy is an outsider. He is not really 
fitting in as a part of the group. And he's made fun of this because he really isn't a lot like the kids who are on the island. This can be a really big problem, but luckily we kind of have Ralph to kind of be a good friend and ally to him because he is starting to take his side, which is actually angering Jack. Anyway, let's move on to a different character. Does anyone have anything about maybe Ralph or Jack that they would like to share? I would actually like to add a bit more to this topic. I've noticed that Jack's character has significantly changed since the beginning of the story. Like Towards the beginning, he showed an exemplary leader-like side, whereas now he's showing more and more hostility and violence towards the other children. Jack's interpretation of survival seems to be slowly changing as well, because he tends to think killing animals or getting resources is more important than maintaining the fire and sending out the smoke as a sign that they need to be rescued. And like, for example, he tends, when he tends to get really physical, it's usually when the whole group is in an argument. He has punched, I believe it was Piggy, a couple of times already. And I believe that Ralph and Piggy takes a part in Jack developing as this character because since Piggy has been an outcast since the beginning of the story, there's been many problems between him and Jack. As a result, Ralph seems to be in between all this, trying to help Piggy out, but that led to Jack kind of splitting apart from the group. And due to that, he's been causing a lot of problems and developing a very um, hostile and savage-like aggressive personality. And since then, Jack has been included in like a character versus character conflict relationship between Ralph and himself. That's a great point, Elizabeth, because through the character development of Jack, it's really hard to tell who the protagonist and the antagonist is in this novel. Because I am super confused on all the characters because they have all changed throughout the story. Not a single one fits the protagonist or an antagonist role. I agree with your point completely, and I believe that this book shows a lot of main characters, and it is indeed difficult for us to decide on a main protagonist role at this time. However, I can predict that Ralph will become the protagonist due to his leadership abilities and his importance for the basic necessities of survival. Through this foreshadowing, we may also be able to assume that Jack will become the antagonistic character because he is causing more harm to the camp and more bloodthirsty as previously mentioned. These are all great points and they definitely bring up a lot to discuss. I can see why anyone would be confused because there's a lot of action that is taking place and it might be difficult to determine who plays what role. For example, we can see that Jack only wants what's best for the group, or at least what he thinks is best for the group. He thinks that getting a pig, killing it, and eating its meat, which he did successfully manage to do, is something that will benefit the group, which in a way it will because they do need meat. They're growing boys, they're probably hungry, and they're stranded on this island without anyone to provide for them. However, he is obsessed. He is completely infatuated with trying to catch this pig 
and he seems to be getting more bloodthirsty instead of trying to be more of a helpful, maybe fatherly type of role. He did used to be a leader, and people did used to look up to him. However, now it's difficult for them to do that. Although his hunters do seem to look up to him for his grit and trying to catch a pig, which they did have fun doing. Maybe that is good for the group. Taking a break from meetings and playing around might be good for them. However, it seems that Jack is only causing more harm. Ralph may be an antagonist in the eyes of the kids that are in the group. They may be sick and tired of all of the meetings and all of the order that that Ralph is trying to inflict. Maybe they just don't want him to, you know, tell them to do stuff. Maybe they're trying to take advantage and just free themselves from strains that they used to have with their grown-ups. Anyway, let's reflect on what's going on in these two chapters. We have noticed that Golding is a master at describing things beautifully. His details and his figurative language have given us a beautiful view of what this island looks like. Nextly, we know that there is lots of stuff that is going to happen soon. There seems to be a lot of conflict, perhaps quietly and sometimes out loud, between the two sides, which are Jack and his hunters and Piggy and Ralph. Next, we discussed character archetypes as antagonists and protagonists. We have yet to decide who exactly is what, but we will probably see it soon, thanks to all the foreshadowing and all of the action that will take place later in the novel. We also talked, we briefly talked about Piggy, who has been confirmed as an outsider. We know for sure that he's an outsider because this was stated directly in the book, and also the kids don't seem to have taken, taken a liking to him because of how different he is. As younger children, they might not have their eyes open to changes, and having someone that is different from them in the group that they're in might be a bit frightening or new, and they might not know how to handle that. Overall, there's a lot to talk about here, and we have yet to see how the rest of the life on the island will go down. This beautiful island may have more than we expected. The little ones who keep complaining about the beast, which will probably be talked about more in the next chapter, have really brought up a sense of worriness because of the fact that we don't know if this beast is actually real. So the beauty of the island and the beast will wrap up our discussion for today. That concludes this week's episode of Time Flies. Thanks for tuning in with us once more. Let's just give another big shout out to our fake sponsor, Carnival Cruise. Maybe they'll find us one day. I don't know. Anyway, hope you'll join us next week and hope you enjoyed this episode of Time Flies, Beauty and the Beast.